But it is good to see you this morning. Uh, you can turn to the book of Acts, chapter 4. Um, I don't know if you've ever seen this movie. It was called Seven Days in Utopia. Uh, Seven Days in Utopia. And that movie, it's a family movie, and uh, I was able to watch it recently. And um, a guy named Johnny Crawford is a star, and his, that's Robert Duvall. And if you like movie stars, he does a pretty good job, right? And so he's playing Johnny Crawford, and it's the Luke Chisholm story, the PGA Tour golfer. But in that, one of the whole, the, the, word, the movie is worth watching just for this one line. And I think every one of us need to write this down. Keep this in your, or put it in your phone, or whatever it is you do, uh, your notes, and so forth. And um, he was talking to uh, Luke Chisholm, and uh, he's looking at him, and he says, Look, I have a respect for tradition, but a passion for the truth. I have a respect for tradition, but a passion for the truth. And I think that's something we ought to keep in mind as we move forward together. And so that's worth the movie. Now we began, or we ended last week with this idea that the boldness of the message <clears throat> gives us gives boldness to the mission. And so, as we close last week in Acts chapter four, we see the disciples are 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 bold. That's the effect of the power of the Spirit of God, and the boldness comes to the message of Christ. And we've got to focus on the gospel and the message of Christ, or we're going to get caught running and chasing things <clears throat> that may not be helpful. And so they'd already made up their minds. We talked about last week where courage comes from. You know, when you need courage, you, you have fear, but courage allows you to do what your fear tells you not to do. And that's what courage is about. And so in this time, there are people in the book of Acts here, Pentecost, <clears throat> that are being added to the church daily. The Holy Spirit now is doing something different. When a person calls upon the name of the Lord and the person repents of their sin and receives Jesus Christ's death, burial, and resurrection for the payment for their sin, the Holy Spirit then moves inside, not in a tabernacle, not in a temple, inside His own people. And that's a fulfillment of prophecy. And Peter preached that. And we've already been through that. And so the church is growing. <clears throat> but when something is growing, you can always expect criticism. All right? There's always going to be criticism. Good stuff happens and people will criticize it. Bad stuff happens and people will criticize it. There's going to be criticism no matter what you do. And so that's what's happening in the church. So even though this is the church of God and it's the early church, let me tell you, they had a mess on their hands. They had language problems. We have a problem. We all speak English fairly well. <laughs> How about coming to a church where they didn't speak the same languages? This could be a mess, could it not? And so the Holy Spirit is not a mess for God because God can speak and everybody understands. Right? And what was he speaking? The message of Jesus Christ. 
And so good things happen and bad things happen, right? That's the way it is. You can't pray that away. That's the way it is. Good things happen and bad things happen. Now, <clears throat> go to Acts chapter 4, verse 21. And let's just read through the scriptures and I'll make comment as we go and hopefully bring out some things that will help you grow in your faith as we move forward together to something brand new for us. And when they had further threatened them, how many of you were threatened this morning before you got here with the gospel? Not threatened by your wife or anything like that, <laughs> but threatened by the gospel, okay? How many of you were told you better not speak Jesus this morning, right? Well, they were threatened. These uh, apostles were threatened, <clears throat> and they let them go. <clears throat> so that was last week. So they tell him, you don't go speak in the name of Jesus anymore. We killed him. What's this talk about Jesus healed this lame man? Remember that story? So he tells him, you guys don't do that again. <clears throat> Finding no way to punish them because of the people, for all were praising God for what had happened. They figured, hey, man, if we hurt these guys now, these people are going to rise up against us because they healed this lame man. And we know this lame man. He's been there for 40 years. He didn't just show up on a Friday night crusade and then you never see him again. We've seen this guy for 40 years, 30 years, however long, however old he was. You don't fake cripple 40 years, right? And then now that guy's up jumping all over the place. The Bible uses the word leap. So, so there's no guessing about this. There's no, <clears throat> the people in that town that saw that, there was no, oh, yeah, right. No, they knew. This happened right in front of their eyes. For the man on whom the sign of healing was performed was more than 40 years old. <clears throat> they arrested Peter and John for preaching the resurrection and told them not to do it again. And this is not an idle threat as we go to verse 23. These leaders have power. You understand in that day. These religious leaders have power. There's a whole different custom, whole different uh, situation for the Jews in that day. And they had the power to take away their wealth. They had the power to take away their possessions. They had a power to banish them and take away their businesses, take away their freedom. They could imprison their loved ones. They could do a lot of stuff. They could torture them and at some point, they could even take your life for violating the religious order. Amazing, isn't it? So it'd be one thing for me to threaten you, and you'd just laugh me off and go to the next church. Right? Right, guys? Come on. Yeah, I mean, you'd, you, you just what you do. But back in that day, man, a guy in a bishop or somebody, man, they had power. And you could, you could pay a physical price for not doing So this was not an idle threat is what I'm trying to tell you. All right? Look at verse 23. When they were released, <clears throat> they went to their friends and reported that the chief priest and the elders had said to them, and when they heard it, they lifted their voices together to God and said, Sovereign Lord, despotos, despotos in the Greek. Despot. Not a good word today, but in that day it was, it was used. And we'll talk about that. 
who made heaven and earth and the sea and everything in them, who through the mouth of our father David, your servant, said by the Holy Spirit, why did the Gentiles rage and the people's plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his anointed. That's Psalm 2. <clears throat> All right, so now they're reading Psalm, or putting Psalm 2. Verse 27, For truly in this city there are gathered together against your holy servant, Jesus, whom you anointed. So he's preaching to them. Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel, to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. Isn't that amazing? So Peter's telling them, this is what you've done. And now, Lord, and he's, and he's praying, and now, Lord, look upon their threats. Now listen to that. Look upon their threats. This is how they're praying. This is the longest prayer in the book of Acts. And so they're praying, Lord, look what they've done and how these, and he's praying Psalms 2 back to him. And then now all of a sudden he's saying, take look upon, take notice of their threats and grant to your servants, listen to this. Now, folks, I, I don't think you've, you've ever seen this in this light, all right? This is going to be something very different than what we're used to hearing today. And grant, I put this in bold. I have the ability to, I don't have to underline in here. I just put in bold. And I bold this step. Grant your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness. They've just been told not to do it. Or else. And their or else is big. My or else makes you laugh. Their or else is big. Okay? So you stretch out your hand to heal. Listen to this. While, now, man, I hope this helps you. While you stretch out your hand to heal, and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your Holy Spirit, or servant Jesus, and when they had prayed, now understand, give us the ability to speak your words with boldness while you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders. And when verse 33, and when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken. They didn't ask for the place to be shaken. It probably scared them right? They were asking for the boldness to speak his words. And God decided to shake the room. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. That's it. They didn't ask for any other power. They didn't ask to do anything else. They asked to speak with boldness, and that's what happened. Now, wake up for me just a little bit, okay? You guys look like you're tired this morning. All right? I don't know if you're tired or bored. They look the same. All right? Now, come on. Sit up in your seat and let me know you're here, okay? Help me a little bit. This reveals 
And this is what my point to this message is. I'm going to teach you this morning how these disciples responded to uncontrollable circumstances. They were threatened. They could be, they would be eventually beaten and they would be, their livelihoods would be taken away from them. They would be in prison and they'd pray to help them continue to do what got them in trouble the first time. Now, how many of us do that? We don't pray that way, do we? No, we want out of trouble. We want this life to be as easy as it can be. We don't want any trouble. Right? We don't want to make nobody mad. We all want to believe differently but be the same. Understand? All right. So, <clears throat> my point is, is they spoke with boldness as an answer to prayer. So we can learn. Now, let's quickly go through these points. Point number one. <clears throat> In verse 24, they recognized God as sovereign Lord. God as sovereign Lord. All right? And so what happened is, is when they were threatened, as soon as they got out of that judgment hall, they got out in the street, and guess where they went? They went to their friends who believed. Now listen to that point right there. They went to those who believed, and they gathered together, and they prayed. They recognized, and in that prayer, that's where this prayer is, it's around those friends, they pray, Sovereign Lord. It could be interpreted, Sovereign, Sovereign. That's what they called God, Sovereign, Sovereign. And so they're, they're there, and, and, and they're, they're praying in a small group environment. Right? They didn't go and amass 20,000 people. There probably was less than 100 people in this group. But it was a smaller group is my point. And when they got out, they went together and they began to pray. And here they're praying, sovereign, sovereign. Man, we've got to start thinking about God and who He is, not who we think He is. Not what we've made Him to be in our minds. Making a God that we're comfortable with. No, we need to learn who God is and get comfortable with that. That's where we need to be comfortable with. And so it means despot, despotos. And it simply means a person who has supreme authority, a supreme ruler, a supreme power or ruler. That's what it means. Secondly, they saw, or uh, that's what it is, they recognized God as sovereign Lord. And then under that, they saw God as the sovereign creator. So as soon as you read that, it says, <clears throat> it says, sovereign, sovereign, who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them. See, they're recognizing who the sovereign, sovereign is. And their view of God in the early church was, God, <clears throat> you made Everything we see and touch and smell. You made it the physical or the material world. They already acknowledge that God made the uh, material world. 
And they already knew now that man had fallen. Man had sinned against God through Adam and Eve. They realized that. And they also knew that that perfect world, that perfect Eden that God created, they realized because of man's sin, this world is broken. And this world is shaking. That's the term they use in the book of Acts. He shook the room. This world is shaking. Now, how many of you have watched the news lately can really say with me, man, this world is shaking, right? Man, this world is broken. It's amazing, isn't it? And they understood that the hatred that came from a world that had fallen. And here's the point you need to as believers in Jesus. This world is passing away. Don't try to pray it to stay. Right? <laughs> right? This world's going away no matter how much you pray. We don't pray for that. We don't pray for the world to get better. We pray for the gospel of Christ to penetrate the hearts of the people who live in this broken world. And when they get saved, guess what? They're still going to live in the same broken world you and I live in. Right? The world's not going to go away because of us. So we have to see that. Second thing I want to point out here is they saw that God was sovereign over the course of history. We're going to talk about this idea of sovereignty. In other words, when we say that God is sovereign over the course of history, what we're saying is God predetermines the course of all things. Now, this is going to cause you to have to do some thinking. And hopefully you'll even disagree with me for a little bit until I can convince you you're wrong. Okay? So I want you to disagree with me. Tell, me. tell me how smart you are, and you're smarter than I am. That's cool. Because now we're getting into this, God has predetermined the course of history. He's sovereign. Man, that causes a lot of questions, and I hope to open that up for you today. And so they go to Psalms 2. Why did the heathen rage and the kings imagine a vain thing? See, I memorized that in the King James Version when I was 8 years old. I can't memorize these other versions. I read these. I use other versions. I just can't hardly memorize them because I've done that for all my life. Why do the heathen rage and the kings imagine a vain thing? Psalm 2. They go straight to that. And that's a coronation psalm. That's what they would sing when David was anointed king. And he brought him in the coronation. They would sing Psalm 2. That's what this is all about. And so they believe that God had his hands in the course of human events. In other words, no one can stop God and no one can stop God from what he has done and what he is going to do. That means you believe God is sovereign. You can't stop what God's done and you can't stop what God's going to do. That's a sovereign God. And so no one can stop what God is doing through Jesus. So no threat. They believed. Here's how they rationalized. Here's, this, is, this is how you take the scriptures and make it work for you. These disciples believed that nothing can stop what God has done and what God is doing. 
Okay, if that's what I believe, and what God's doing through Jesus, then no one can stop what God is doing through us. Now, I didn't say what we're doing for us, but nothing can stop what God does through us. If God says simply, church, this is what I am going to do through you, then nothing can stop that. That's the sovereign Lord. Even your little bad attitude can't stop that. <laughs> right? Even your uncomfortableness is not going to stop it. If God is doing it, then nothing can stop it. Now, if I'm doing it, <laughs> it's not going to matter anyway. But if God is doing it, there's nothing can stop it. That's sovereignty. That's someone who believes in the sovereignty of God. And they were confident that God will bring His good out of their bad circumstances. Isn't that amazing? So what they believed in is that God is in control. That's what they, Do you believe that God is in control? You don't have to. I'm asking, do you believe that God is in control? If you believe that, then that leads to certain things that you don't have to worry about. And it's going to affect the way we pray. I'm going to teach you that here in just a minute. Because it shapes their prayer. There are times, how many of you have ever felt there's times in your life that the odds were stacked against you? Right? Have we all felt that at some point in our lives? This isn't going to happen. It, the odds of me making this happen is big. It's just... Oh, just not going to happen, right? And, and you think that, that, the, that the deal is, the cards are stacked against you. Times that we want to just take away all the bad things. How many have ever lived where we just want to take away the bad things in our life, right? If you, if you had our prayer list, our prayer list would be this long, and it would be every bad thing I could think about in my life. And that's what I spend my time praying on. God, would you take this knee pain away from me? God, would you take my back pain away from me? God, would you... You're, and you're, right, guys? Yeah. We have all those. And so we say, God, so what do we do is we're praying that God would take away the bad things. I'm not... Now, let me finish. I'm not against praying for our bad stuff. All right. But let me tell you, there's something bigger than that. That's all I'm trying to tell you. And something that might free you from that type of a life. You see, my prayer life for many years, and if I don't watch out, I can even do it right here and now at Simply Church. I, but for years, my prayer life reflected a few minutes a day that said, Lord, I want you to change the negative circumstances in my life. And so for me to pray 20 minutes, I would have to have a lot of negative circumstances. Right? Because if you don't have anything to pray it for to have God change, then what are you going to talk to him about? Right? What am I going to tell him? Prayer must be, God, would you help my wayward child? Would you help this? Would you help this? Would you help us grow the church? Would you help us do this? And, and Father, would you take away that, that enemy? And would you take away this? You know what I'm saying? 
And you fill your life with that. But that's not the way the early Christians in this chapter prayed. I ask him to correct things in order for me to get what I feel I want. That sounds reasonable, doesn't it? It just doesn't match what's going on here. That's all I'm trying to challenge you with, okay? When I see what what happens in that case, God's not sovereign. I'm sovereign. That's what happens when my prayer life is filled with that alone, then I'm making myself sovereign. So it's either God is sovereign or my circumstances are sovereign. In other words, it is what it is. Or I make myself sovereign. And all of those views determine your prayer life, how you pray. In other words, here's the point. How you see God will determine how you pray and what you pray for. So most of my prayers for years, and I still get back into that mode. Because I live in a church culture in America that that's what you pray for. If you're spiritual, you'll be successful. If you're spiritual, you'll have money. If you're spiritual, you won't be sick. If you have enough faith... You'll be happy all the time. See, that's what's being preached and everybody's buying into it. And I'm not, I didn't say it was bad stuff. I'm just saying it's not what's going on here in real life Christianity. And so most prayers are about God changing my circumstances and taking the things out of my life that I don't want or changing those people that are making my life miserable. Right? And when you ask God to change those people or take them out of my life, you're not asking Him to take you out. (laughs) You're asking Him to take them out. Right? Could you just take them out of my life? Not not, not you. That's, That's the way we think. That's when you become sovereign. You're sovereign there. And so then I spend my time trying to talk God in to doing what I want him to do. And we're all guilty of that, folks. We would be guilty of that even if the new church didn't preach it. But boy, now they're preaching it. That if you do certain things, give money, do all this and that, that somehow that is going to impress God to the point that he will change the the shaken world around you. (laughs) Isn't that amazing? No, God wants to change you in this world. He's not going to change the world around you. Man, this is making more sense to me now than it did when I studied it. (laughs) Is God sovereign? Listen to this statement. Put that up on the board. Is God sovereign or are your circumstances sovereign? Or is someone else sovereign? Or are you sovereign? You've got to answer that long question. You've got to determine where you are. Leave that up there for a while for me. How you see God or your view of God will determine how you pray. 
So if you just go back over your prayer life this week, it's a class assignment. It's just a couple more classes here, okay? We're going to big school now, all right? <laughs> this is little school. And so we just got a couple more classes. So what you need to do is you go home and you analyze your prayer life. Write them down. You go back and think about that. And then you begin to say, okay, in my prayers, do they reflect that God is sovereign? Or do they reflect that someone else is sovereign? Or do they reflect that my circumstances are sovereign? Or do they reflect that I'm sovereign? How do you see God? They prayed recognizing. Now, the the second point of the message is they prayed and asked God for continued boldness. Verse 29. And now, Lord, take notice upon their threats. Now, they knew God already knew they'd been threatened, right? God, you know, basically what they're saying is, God, you know what's going on. They just threatened us. And we want you to take notice of those threats. And while you take notice of those threats, and while you decide what you're going to do about those threats, those threats have caused us to fear. So we're going to ask you, you do what you want about the threats, but give us the boldness to keep preaching the message of Jesus. Man, that just put chills up me right there. Think about what they're just saying. They're praying that God is sovereign. You take care of the threats. And guess what happens? When you ask God for boldness, you know what you're telling me? You're scared. In Indiana, we'd say you're a scared. Anybody ever been a scared? Huh? You wouldn't pray for boldness if you weren't a scared. You don't pray for strength unless you feel weak. Right? When I feel weak, guess what I pray for? Strength. When I feel afraid to give the gospel to my neighbor... Guess what I am? I'm afraid. Guess what I need? Boldness. Not miracles. <laughs> I need boldness. Man, did that make sense to anybody? Fake me out and do this. <laughs> All right, that makes sense. You understand what I'm trying to get to here? They recognize that God already knew the threats. God has already got his hand in the threats. And what they're saying is, We want to make sure that you know that we know that you have our back in that. Now, we need the boldness to move on. Guess what our church needs? Our church needs boldness. That's what we need. We need to begin to pray now as we become part of another family of God that we have boldness to speak the truth in love. That's all we have to worry about. Everything, where the restrooms are and how loud, that's all just, that's not even why we're here anyway. We're here for the message of Jesus Christ and what He's doing in this community. So they actually ask God to give them boldness to do more of what just got them in trouble. How many of you ever prayed that way? How many of you got yourself in trouble and say, God, let me do that again? (laughs) 
No, you get your hand slapped out there with the gospel. Guess what you do? You shut up and go home, turn TV on, watch TV, and have church at home. Right? We cower. We get fear. And then we just turn the television on. I ain't going to church no more. I'm just going to have church on Sunday morning myself. No, you need to start praying for boldness. Strength. That's what they're praying for. They just stood firm because their mind had already been made up of who Jesus is. When you vacillate, it's because you haven't really made your mind up who Jesus is. Once you make your mind up who Jesus is, then you will understand what it means to be bold. And they, I think when they got to that prayer meeting, that it started to set in. Set in. See, I think they were bold. How many of it? I mean, if I was going to jump in front of a car to save my child, man, I'd, I'm scared, but I'm going to do it. And then guess what happens? I grab them up. Oh, man. Everybody say, hey, you're a hero. You're a hero. I'm shaking like a leaf. Right? Because now it's starting to set in. We almost got killed. Man, and you start really shaking. And all of a sudden your mind starts saying, oh man, I can't believe we almost got killed. Well, that's what they thought. They got in a prayer meeting, and I think they began that shake. Oh man, this is tough. This is tough. These guys can take my family and put them in jail, like they're doing today all over the world. They, they can cut my head off, just like they're doing in the world today. This is not stuff that happened 2000. It's happening today. We've got brothers and sisters that we don't even think about when we're watching our NASCAR race this afternoon. And maybe right now you ought to bow your head with me. Just bow your head. And say a prayer for those Christians that are suffering. Ask God to give them boldness. I just heard a story this week where they brought this man's son and told him to recant. And he said no. And they took his life, his son's life, right in front of him. Why don't you today just bow your head and say, God, help those dear brothers and sisters in Christ Now notice with me in verse 29. They ask for boldness. Notice they don't ask for anything else. It's not boldness and. It's just give us boldness to speak your word. That's it. God Bad things are happening around us, but we want boldness to speak your word while you do whatever it is 
you do it. We're not going to tell you what to do. We, that's in your power. You're not going to give us power to go be you. You are God. Amen. He gives us power to speak his word. Not power to be him. Does that make sense to anybody? Or am I just talking out of my head? He gives you power to speak his word. Not power to be him. God help us speak. And these men, this came to me this morning as I was going over these notes. I didn't have time to change my notes. But here, it's coming back to me now. He didn't even, they said, give us boldness while you go do the. They didn't pray for signs, miracles, and wonders. Didn't pray for that. They prayed for boldness to speak his words. And God, you continue to do whatever it is you do the way you want it done. I mean, that's all the way. This is within two months of Jesus dying and going to heaven. That's pretty close to the beginning. Amen, folks? They're right there. And even there, they're not praying for signs, miracles, healings, and wonders. And yet, God's using them to heal a lame man. But they're not praying for that. They're simply praying for boldness to speak His word. And God, you do whatever it is you do. You see, our prayers are wrapped up like this. When our world gets rocked, shaken, our lives are shaken, guess what we pray for? God, protect my 401K. And there's nothing wrong with 401Ks. I don't have one. I wish I did. But those of you who do it, it's great to have one. But your prayer should not be about your 401K. And God, help my, I, I need money. Don't let, if I lose this job, I won't live. Or my children, or my life, keep us safe. That's the where our prayer lives are. And if I was living in their day, I'd have been there. I'd have been the idiot that stood up and said, God, take these evil, wicked leaders away. Right? Isn't that the way we pray about America? You don't see any of that here. They're not holding signs. Down with Rome. Right? They're not carrying abortion signs. And it was going on back then. Right? They're praying for boldness. Because no matter how much you pray, this world is passing away. Right, guys? This world is passing away. It is not getting better. It's not going to get better. And one of the, well, I, I got to get ahead of myself. I'm almost done, though. And I'm not even cutting anything out. I'm almost done. So prayer is not so much giving the power to change our unwanted circumstances. That's not what it's about. See, I've had people come to me in this church, and we had prayer meetings, and, and the idea was we need to come in here and we're going to pray to where God brings miracles, signs, and wonders. And if the neighborhood could see and hear about the people that were healed right here, then they would flock into this church. That's what I've been through for four years. And if, they, if we could have miracles, then if we could go give tests and put them on video and show people how many miracles we've had, then people in the area would hear about the miracles of God and come. But that's not what happened in the early church. 
That's not why people came. People came because the disciples spoke the words of Jesus with boldness. It's the message. Amen? Amen. It's the message that changes lives. It's not the miracles that change lives. And so what happens is if I would bring somebody up here and I say, hey, so-and-so, they had $50,000 worth of student loans. It just disappeared. We don't know what happened. Praise God. God did it. Could have been a computer error. <laughs> but we're going to say God did it. Right? So God screwed the student loan fund. Does that make sense to anybody? <laughs> that makes sense, does it? That means we paid for it. And nobody told us. But we're going to go to church and say God did it. Praise the Lord Jesus. Come on, folks. We got to start thinking. And I, brought, I bring somebody in here and, and, and tell them, hey, man, they almost had an accident and, 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 it didn't, and then God spared their lives. And then you're sitting in the pew, you're sitting in the seat and you're saying, why doesn't that happen for me? Right? Why don't I have those kinds of things happen to me? I always get the ticket. The pot cop's always there when I run that yellow light. Right? This is the way we're thinking. And if you make church that type of thing, then that's how you will think. And I'm trying to tell you, get back to the Word. Trust it. Don't make it more than it is. It's already the power of God into salvation. You don't need it to be anymore. All you need to know is He will never leave you nor forsake you. Amen? And all you need to know is, no matter what your life is going through, you're living in a broken world, and everybody else has the same rules. And so our prayer is not to change the world around us. Our prayers are to change us. That's what the prayer is all about. Prayer is not about... Here, Dr. John Walton. I was listening to another pastor a few weeks ago, and he was preaching, and I try to listen to sermons quite a bit. And he quoted Dr. John Walton, prayer is about stepping into God's perspective and plan for the world. And when we do, what changes most is us. Isn't that cool? In other words, he begins, and I haven't read his book, but I heard this preacher talk, that he, is, he talks about we need to have prayers of becoming, not prayers of benefit. I'm going to put that book on my record. I'm going to, I'm going to worry that. Because we need to be pray. God, help us to become full of joy. The, the fruit of the Spirit in Colossians 1, 1 through 9, right? Joy, peace, long-suffering, patience, right? <clears throat> Temperance. See, we're to develop the fruit of the Spirit. We're to be changed. God, help us in this broken world become like Christ, the fruit of the Spirit. We need to be filled with the knowledge of His will. Because no matter what happens to me, the truth is, whether it means anything to you or not, if you know Christ as your Savior, the truth is you already have an eternity with Jesus forever and ever and ever. It doesn't matter what happens to you. 
He is our hope. Do we need God to take away all of the bad things in our life to live? No. We can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. The musicians can make their way. It'd be great if God would take all the bad things away in our life. But it doesn't have to happen. My dad fell off the roof. He, he, 70 years old, he puts a shingles. You know how heavy a bag of, of shingles are? 70 years old, my dad puts it on his shoulder and walks up a ladder. Unfortunately, the ladder slid on the pavement. Dad slammed 10 feet straight on the ground, crushing his vertebrae. He was four to five inches shorter for the rest of his life. Ten years, man, when I came there and, and he prayed, God had healed him. He prayed. I come in his office one time and I was, uh, he worked at the school and I worked at the church. He was kind of in a retirement. He retired, but he never retired. You know what I mean? And so I'd walk into dad's office. I said, dad, how you doing? He said, hey, Kevin, God healed me. He'd been praying for ten years. I said, what took God so long, right? But, but that's me. Okay, don't be me. But I'm just saying... Um, 10 years. And, and I said, you're kidding. He healed you? He said, yeah, son. I said, when? Stand up. <laughs> right? He said, he healed me from the need of being healed. Amen. Huh? You see the difference? God changed him. He didn't change his poor body, but he changed him. And he said, Kevin, I can serve God the rest of my life and never be healed. I'm okay with it. I know that doesn't sell lots of sermons. I know it doesn't sell books. But I'll tell you, I've given you the truth. Amen. I believe that with all my heart. I've given you the truth. When you ask God to change you, rather than your circumstances, you are recognizing that the real problem is not your circumstances. The real problem is we're trying to get the world to stop shaking. And this world is not going to stop shaking. This world's going to go away. I'm going to have to move forward. Psalm 103, 15. Look at this verse. Let's read it. Psalm 103. As for man, his days are like grass. He flourishes like a flower of the field, for the wind passes over it, and it is gone. And it is place, know it no more. Go to the next verse. For the wind passes over it, and it is gone. And its place knows it no more. Verse 17. But the steadfast love of the Lord 
is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear. He said, everything you see is going to go away. But your love of the Lord is always. Isn't that something? Your love of the Lord is always. Look at Psalm 63, verse 3. Look at this one. Because your steadfast love is better than life, my lips will praise you. So the hope is not that this world is going to change, but that our love for God is forever. And it doesn't matter what goes on around us, our love for God is there. Your love for God, parent, is what your child is going to need when they get into their teenage years. It's going to be what your kids need as they get older. It's your love for God. That's what you want to pass on to them. Because it lasts forever. Amen. Well, that's all I can do today.